Thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. In each episode, we talk about a movie, we share some fun trivia facts during the conversation. You can check out the latest episode of the podcast on Wednesdays. Please like us at facebook.com slash screenfacts. Post your comments or questions. You can also email screenfacts at yahoo.com or tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. For details about all the different ways to listen to the podcast, including accessing past episodes, please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Joining me on this episode of the show, my good pal, great to have him again, Eric Kreitz. hey How's it going, Jason? It's going well. Good to see you. Nice to be seen. So, Eric, you and I are going to talk about another 80s movie, surprise, surprise. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? And I'm glad when you brought this one up, I was thinking... Yeah, I haven't seen this in a while, and mm-hmm. the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? Yes, because this movie is, to me anyway, one of the best cyberpunk movies ever made. The whole thing with the high-tech lifestyle against the social distress, you've got the grittiness of it. I just think it's an awesome movie, so I love it. And the interesting thing is that the movie takes place in the future, Mm-hmm. It's nondescript. They don't say exactly right. what year. Right. But there's a lot of very 80s sort of uh, vibes about the way the executives act. Oh, yeah. Kind yeah. of everything for me. And, I'm you know. thinking it could almost be that time. I mean, it was, it was made in 1987. I mm-hmm. think they're not looking very far into the future at all, really, the way it was presented. And, you know, here we are 30 years later. Right. And poof. It's really close. I mean, I think the writers did an awesome job Absolutely. with some of the stuff that they were predicting that we're seeing. So the movie that we're talking about today is Robo- RoboCop. Cop. Now, this is another one of those great 80s movies that mm-hmm. had a remake within the last few years. Right. I saw the remake. How was it? Not good. I didn't think it was necessary. For me, didn't hold up to the original. And the, yeah. the original, 30 years later, to me, is still a great movie. I really like how you have this big corporation that not only runs the police, basically, right. but they also run the crime. Yeah, that's true, you know? actually. It's, it's fantastic yeah. how they're playing both sides. So released July 17th, 1987. I happen to have a version of this on DVD that's unrated. I'm sure I've seen the theatrical version, too. I think okay. the only difference is mm-hmm. just the unrated version is a little bloodier. It's just more graphic violence. Like, for example, okay. when the Ed 209... The big robot blows that guy away in the boardroom. So that happens in the theatrical, right? Oh, yeah. And it's horrific. And it's actually, it's a scene that Edward Neumeyer, the Mm -hmm. writer, Mm -hmm. one of the writers, that's something he always wanted to do, was have a shoot him up in a boardroom. So I guess (laughs) he's got issues with corporate. So, and, uh, oh, yeah. And that whole scene is just freaky because, you know, here comes in the big robot then they come in with the little podium with the right with know, the, the controllers and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, and right there, I'm thinking, what? Really? You have thirty seconds to comply. Oh, that poor guy. Yeah, no, thank you. I don't care how much you pay me. I'm not pointing a gun. Yeah, at that machine. Right. Obviously, they expected that when he drops the gun, that the thing wouldn't blow him away. <laughs> but, yeah, and that was that yeah, was but in horrible. The, in the unrated version, it's just it's relentless. They just and like the packs of blood blowing oh, yeah. up on him. Like, well, there was, I mean, that scene, the shooting lasted a good maybe 12, 15 seconds. Oh, so in maybe the theatrical, yeah. So maybe it was, the the only stuff that's rough. different then is when they kill Murphy. Because, like, okay. in the scenes where they kill Murphy in the unrated, I mean, it's real brutal. I mean, they blow right. his arm off. They yeah. blow his hand off they first. They blow his hand off. Yeah, yeah, and you see it, and he's oh, okay. trying to hold his hand. Oh, all right. Yeah, so, so I don't that know what the difference is then. 
I don't know. Was there any Did, sex at all? No. Uh, uncut? No. When they kill Murphy, do they show him getting shot in the head in the theatrical version? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they do. So I just wonder if it's like maybe it's that, but like just a little bit more brutal in the unrated maybe. version. I don't know. I don't know, but that's the thing. This movie went, I think, like 12 times to get rated. Yeah, it and went to. It kept getting uh, X ratings all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm nope. assuming based on graphic violence. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which, you know, in this movie, I think it was trying to kind of not necessarily poke fun or satire the violence in the 80s movies Mm -hmm. because there really was I think the 80s is when we really started to see a lot more graphic violence oh absolutely and I think this movie was trying to point that out and whether it was taking advantage of it or it was trying to go over the top to say look this is crazy what we're doing but yeah it was pretty darn graphic so they cut more stuff out I can only imagine what else was in there I think that at the time this was probably one of the more violent movies of this genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, obviously there was like Rambo, the right. second Rambo. There was some pretty yeah. graphic stuff in that. But at the time, this was probably right up there with, with the violence. Oh, definitely. And it kind of maybe set the tone for what came after it. Too. Right. Well, and the thing, too, with this movie, I think the violence felt more real or mm-hmm. it hit harder. At least for me, it hit harder, I think, because it was also very well written giving it a heart the whole thing about you know we meet his family Mm -hmm. um and it's not even that we meet his family beforehand right and we fall for him and his family at the beginning and then we feel bad he's being killed it's actually we're feeling bad throughout the whole movie as he's He's remembering yeah which is the only exposition as far in terms of his family Mm -hmm. is when he's twirling the gun before he's robocop when he's he's just murphy and he's twirling the gun when Mm -hmm. they're like getting coffee Right, with and his new partner. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he says, oh, my kid loves this T.J. Laser character on right, TV yeah. that does this, <laughs> which yeah. is, you know, sort of a, a nod to T.J. Hooker, which right, was big at the sure. time. Right, That was like the only sort of reference mm-hmm. to what's going on with his family and his kid and all that. Yeah, yeah, so I think I really liked how the writing brought the family in bits as we go. So we're kind of learning more about him mm-hmm. as, in a way, he's learning about himself. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I, I love that. We're taking that, that journey was, with him. It was, yeah, it was so well done. It yeah. was excellent. Let's talk about like the, all the, you know, the normal stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Peter Weller is the star. Yes. Nancy Allen plays the partner. Okay. Ronnie Cox in a sort of uncharacteristic role as a bad guy, probably better known for 80s movies fans as Bogomil from Beverly Hills Cop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kurtwood Smith plays Boddicker. The dad from that 70s show. That's right. Love that guy. <laughs> Love him. And uh, Miguel Ferrer. He passed away last year, I want to say. Sadly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or, okay. or maybe even early this year. Oh. He um, was Rosemary Clooney's son. George Clooney's cousin. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. little uh, A little aside from him. He's really there good as go. the uh, up-and-coming yeah. executive. Directed by Paul Verhoeven. The screenplay had been rejected by virtually every big director in Hollywood before mm-hmm. uh, Verhoeven got hold of it. Mm-hmm. He threw it away after reading the first pages, thinking right. that it was just, you know, kind of a dumb action movie. And what do I well, want to do with this? it starts that way. It seems like it, right? Yeah. His wife read it all the way through and said, this is a really good story. I think you should direct this. Yeah. So there you go. Behind every man is a great woman, a right? a great woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and you're talking about, you know, the director, at first it was supposed to be Jonathan Kaplan. Okay. But he opted out to do Project X. Okay, which is a movie with Matthew Broderick and Helen Hunt. Yeah, so that's a good pull for Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Written by Edward Neumeyer and Michael Miner. 
Mm -hmm. And Neumeier came up with the idea for RoboCop after he had helped out on Blade Runner. He was part of the Blade Runner crew. Estimated budget of $13 million, domestic gross $53.4 million. It actually won an Oscar. It won a special achievement Oscar for sound effects editing and was also nominated for Best Sound and Best Film Editing Oscars. This is not typically the kind of movie that gets any kind of love from the Academy, but... No, definitely not. To me, that's actually, the sound was a little off, okay. um, you know, with the Ed 209, yeah. you know, robot. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, the sounds with the mechanics and everything, that was excellent. Mm-hmm. But the scene where it falls down the stairs, yeah. and it's lying on its back and it can't get itself back up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, it's making but sort it's, of like... But it's yeah. like pig sounds. It was actually, yeah. they recorded pig sounds. Mm-hmm. Frankly, at first, I thought it was Ned Beatty, you know, from <laughs> Deliverance, going, yee, yee. Another movie with Ronnie Cox, by the way. Yes. That's kind of corny. Kathy and I are looking at you like, eh, that's kind of weird. I mean, to me, it would have sounded better if it was just actual mechanics, you know, squealing and breaking down and not not they Maybe what they were going for, though, was that here's this big monstrosity, Mm -hmm. this big, intimidating robot. Right. And then when it falls on its back and can't get up, it's reduced to this little sound, this little thing. Yeah, and when... When I saw it originally in 87, Mm -hmm. it came across that way. Mm -hmm. So I guess for the time, it totally worked. Now, 30 years later, having other movies as reference, it's kind of like, all right, well, yeah, could have done something a little bit better there. Personally, I don't get hung up on stuff like that as much. I know you're, you're really into the details like that. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, the movie is so cool that like I can give a pass to stuff. Well, like and, that. you know, and I give a pass to a lot of, you know, the mm-hmm. corny dialogue and I mean, the sound editing, mm-hmm. wh- I wish they took out the crazy laugh of that one black dude. Oh yeah. Oh, come on. Actually, we, really? we kind of enjoy it. It's cause it's kind of funny. It's a little comic relief in all of this. Oh, you know? I, yeah. Uh, that cackling laugh that he has. Oh, I hate it. They it's all just, sort of laugh like that th- though. They all do. And, and to me, that's one of the corny 80s leftover things yeah, i mean these bit. guys are they're so bad and there's like you know four or five of them and they're all around murphy they're pointing their machine guns at them yeah and they start blowing away and they're yeah. all like ah! yeah come on really yeah it's it's a little weird but uh but know. still it's a powerful scene it sets things up so yeah <laughs> i give it a pass so it turned out that when um he was in the full robocop costume peter mm-hmm. weller was too bulky to fit behind the wheel of the police car yeah well, now, could you imagine? It was the 80s. So, right. of course, who was one of the first guys they were considering? Schwarzenegger. Well, obviously, you can't put him in that. It would have been way too crazy big. Plus, he was the Terminator already. So, I don't yeah. think he would have worked as another cyborg. Yeah. That would have been, I think, and too And I much. think you really needed it, an actor yeah. that could convey a lot of emotion with just his mouth showing. Yeah. You know, which I think, you know, Peter was really good at doing. Especially the scene where he's sitting in that RoboCop chair and right. he starts dreaming. Yes. And he's kind of jerking, the, those quick jerky moves. Yes. And, he, and he's yeah. just wincing and everything. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. That was great. And he actually, for four months, took mime lessons. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. But mimes, I mean, don't they not use... I guess they use facial expressions. Sometimes, I'm just used yeah. to them always pushing out of the box. Yeah, and the running, pulling against the wind and all that right, stuff. Right, right, pulling the <laughs> rope, yeah. 
walking down to the basement. Actually, I think I read um, with the miming thing. Yeah. He kind of had to rework his training a little bit because the suit was bigger and bulkier than originally they thought. Okay. So like all the moves that he kind of had planned Mm -hmm. while he was in the suit didn't really work because the thing was so bulky. Right. Well, he actually wanted it. He thought RoboCop, it would be better to be a little more fluid. And I think he even used the word like a dancer. Because, you know, being in the future, that robotics should be at the point where it's not just clunky back and forth. Right. It should be something that's more poetic, which, again, to me, lends to, well, this is why it's like a cyberpunk film, because it's the grittiness. It's still a robot that, you know, trudges and turns jerkily. Right. Um, But there was a scene getting near the end where he does show a little kind of dance move in a way where he's, um, I think it's near the end and he's heading into the headquarters Mm -hmm. and he actually is walking towards the door, but then he does a little backup and he takes a couple steps backing up. That gait movement was much more fluid than everything else where he's like, you know, very robotic and you know moving yeah. the head and the joints all that stuff you just said was mm-hmm. toward the end of the movie and and right. of course you know again spoiler alert you know hopefully you've seen this movie and you know how it ends mm-hmm. if not you may want to stop listening now yeah okay because I'm gonna I'm about to give away the ending so at okay. the end after he kills Ronnie Cox what yeah <laughs> <laughs> the old man says officer what's your name Murphy Murphy yeah, which is very cool that he acknowledges that who he is. Yeah. Even though he's not supposed to have any memory of who he is. Right. He's supposed to be just skin and the, the metal stuff. Yeah. Yeah, know, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But I started to say before that he didn't fit in the police car. So what they had to do was he only wore the top part of the costume and he was in his underwear <laughs> below that. Um, and to maintain the illusion that he has the entire suit on when he's in the car, right? You know, they did sort of shots of his robotic feet exiting the car right. to show him getting out, right? And like, there's only one scene I, mean, I think in the movie where he gets out of the car full costume. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and, he's already like halfway out of it exactly. The way they're shooting it, right? They probably you know? did an edit to make it look. Yeah. It. And it's when he goes to the uh, I guess city hall when the uh, the former city employee is holding the hostages. Yes, because the councilman has taken the uh, the mayor prisoner mm-hmm. and you've got all these guys on the outside all these cops outside surrounding the building mm-hmm. trying to communicate with them and the guy's obviously you know off his rocker <laughs> it was <laughs> hilarious where uh he's like the cops are like all right we'll give you what you want you know mm-hmm. what do you want he's like i need a car all right we'll get you a car what kind of car Six thousand sux you yeah. know something that's shitty on gas mileage <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's america for you which is that's the big that's the car that that the bad guys drive later on and they have the right. commercial for with the dinosaur yeah that's right yeah and it's you know and it was actually that actually is interesting because i have a note about that Mm -hmm. oh because the car that the police are driving right is like a taurus or something right right? the the police cars were modified for tauruses right and one of the main competitors of the taurus at the time was the pontiac Pontiac 6000 okay and that's why the villains drive the 6000 sux or the 6000 sucks sucks and that car was built from a uh, the body of a 1976 Oldsmobile Cutlass four door sedan. So it's a, that definitely was a gas guzzler. Maybe a little bit better than 8.5 miles per gallon, like Maybe. the uh, SUX gets. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about how they did the cuts and stuff um, with his uniform. I liked when they did the one shots, like when he puts the gun back into his thigh. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only time we see it is when it's just a single shot of right. his thigh. It's not like we see him walking and then pulling it out. Right. That would have been cool. Yeah. But that, you know, that's probably 
just special effects later on in the future. And then with that scene we were just talking about with the hostage scene, mm-hmm. how RoboCop is using this infrared. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually infrared. They just took the actors, painted them with uh, glow paint. Oh, cool. And they just did the scene that way because, you know, apparently, you know, the budget was tight. And Almost so like a blacklight sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what they did. Oh, wow. Okay. He just friggin' bashes through the wall and yeah. grabs the guy. And he punches that's him through awesome. the window. Yeah. Very cool. Throws him through the window. And then when the body hits mm-hmm. and the legs come up, that yeah. was sort of an accident. The dummy kind of bounced up and it was a happy accident. <laughs> And they thought it looked cool, so they left it in. Well, another happy accident was when one of the bad guys Mm -hmm. gets run over with the car. I think it's a toxic waste when he gets hit by the car Mm -hmm. and he splatters. Oh, yeah. And then the the head rolls And the head rolls right up the windshield. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right up the- That's right. That was great. Yeah, that was awesome. And that was a happy accident, apparently. That's a great scene to watch frame by frame because even Mm -hmm. though the movie's 30 years old- Yeah. It's cool, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know. Did you do that? Did you? Oh, watch I've done it. Frame it. I did. Frame? I didn't this time, but I've done it in the past. <laughs> yeah, it just it. You know, you would think, oh, well, that special effect. You might see something cheesy right. if you do it frame by frame, mm-hmm. but it it looks really convincing. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty funny from, and I I I liked how they took the view from inside the car, mm-hmm. so you could see everything splatter on the windshield. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> it was very fake because it kind of washed up as. More yeah. like dirty liquid as opposed to did you chunks read, of body parts. Did but, you read what they used for that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they I had it's hilarious. They, let me just they find used it here. the leftover food from the catering. Yeah. I guess like a bunch of bologna went bad or whatever, and they just <laughs> kind of made this big old soup and threw it on the car. But you know what, though? The guy is in, has been in toxic waste. His skin is melting off of him, which is very cool. That was very well done. Yeah, the way that prosthesis looks on the yes, guy. Yes, yes. So when he hits the car, it probably would make a mess like that, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I guess. You could say it was a, yeah, a squishy mess. I mean, I don't know, but yeah. you know. See, that was a really good special effect. Mm-hmm. The ED-209, some of the effects were not quite that good. Well, I think there's a lot of stop motion animation going right. on with that stuff, and that right, always right. looks a little squirrely. Yeah, but you know, I can't help but this is 1987. That thing was sort of like an Imperial Walker right. kind of thing, and that movie was done in 1980. I'm going to stop you there. They had more of a budget on those Star Wars movies. Yeah. You got to remember, okay. they're working yeah, They're working with a smaller budget. They have right. to get things done quicker, maybe. Right. They're working with, what is it, a, a Commodore? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, you just, I mean, there's limitations yeah. that, that maybe Lucas ha- didn't have on Star Wars and Empire right. and, and Jedi. So Okay. When you watch a movie 30 years later, mm-hmm. it's easy to pick that kind of stuff apart. Yeah. I think on the whole, the movie really holds up very well. Well, absolutely, because the movie is more than just special effects. It's writing. It's a story. You know, yeah. It's got heart in it. Well, actually, you know, I want to go back to the beginning, or okay. near the beginning, where he's getting shot to death. Right. I think it was so well done that the camera is watching everything, mm-hmm. okay? But then, right after he gets, like, his last shot in the head, mm-hmm. then the camera switches... And we're now seeing things from his point of view. Here's what I didn't understand. Okay. They they fill him with bullets. I mean, they blow off his both of his arms. They, yes. I mean, I guess if he's wearing Kevlar or whatever, maybe right. like all those shots to the chest aren't penetrating. Right, right. But then Boddicker comes up to him and he, and he puts a, a bullet in his head JFK style. Right, yeah. Like blows off to the back of his head. And yeah. you see the back of his head come off. That must have been... In your non-uncut version, okay. That they didn't. That you they didn't did see. not show that. No, in, okay. the, in the theater, you just see 
the bullet in the front, and okay. that's it. I mean, it's that, but but then like the head, you could see like clearly he's missing a big chunk of his head. Okay. In in the unrated version. Okay. So here's what I'm I'm trying to figure out. He's still alive at this point. I'm thinking the guy has to die instantly when that happens. No. Oh yeah, yeah. But they, no, he's alive, alive. and yeah. and they show him like the he goes on the gurney. Right. And there's a ton of blood and the, the yeah. paramedics are all working on him, trying to get a pulse. They're, they're mm-hmm. doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it's cool. That whole scene with uh, the trauma mm-hmm. unit, the trauma team, Kathy, who's a nurse, mm-hmm. she's watching this and she's saying they're doing everything right. She said, "There, this all sounds right." And there's I, a reason for that. Of course, I told her the reason. <laughs> They're a real trauma team, and most mm-hmm. of the dialogue is ad libbed. Yeah, as if he's a real victim. Exactly, which is I very mean, cool. This is just like to them, it could just be another exercise. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. So, so that's great, and I love when a movie has some realistic, time, right? Especially if you're pretending to be paramedics, you're pretending to be cops. Let it be real, right? That's a great scene, though. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're wheeling him in, and he's seeing the the lights of pass yeah. by on the ceiling, I, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Now that we're seeing his view, and then finally everything goes black, mm-hmm. and like, holy crap! I guess we're dead. I mean, that's what you feel like. We're right. we're all dead, right? And it and there's now, like a little pause in the movie, and it's just black. And of course, my mind starts going off, and usually it's it's afterwards about, oh my God, what if death is like this? Mm-hmm. What if you know it's all black and you just know it? So I'm thinking maybe he's in hell, and I don't want to get too <laughs> the religious, but there's a lot of religious imagery in this too. Yeah, let's talk um, about that. As long as you brought that up, let's talk about that. So everything's black, mm-hmm. and then a <laughs> little bit of a screen, right? Like kind of TV screen, right? I'm like, oh, all right, he's being born again. Right. Here we go. So there's... He's being rebooted. Yeah. <laughs> but again, with the religious imagery, you mm-hmm. can say, okay, he's being reborn. Right. I thought that was so well done, how he would a little bit, get a little bit of a picture. Mm-hmm. You'd see something, what's going on, and then it'd go off again, mm-hmm. you know? And then... And the picture <laughs> would roll a little bit at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Then he'd come back up and there'd be somebody leaning over him with a screwdriver, mm-hmm. you know? I love when he woke up and they're having the, the New Year's Eve party. Yeah. But also when, when uh, you know, the, the one doctor says, oh, we were able to save his left arm. No, oh, yeah. no, no. We we, I, we want full body prosthesis. Lose the arm. He can't hear right. me, can he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to reboot him. So they, you know, so they end up cutting off his one good arm that they saved. Yeah. And they give him the full robotic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some cool things, like you said. When they're uh, they're they're screwing stuff into his helmet or whatever, and right, you see yeah. it come down like um, yes, it's yes. very very well done. Yeah, and when they bring up, you know, now you know that he's been I don't know robotized, electronicized <laughs> or something, right? And they're putting in like this target screen, right? So you got the grid, mm-hmm. and you know the woman, up the and the woman who kissed him yeah. during the uh, you yeah. know New Year's Eve party, yeah. <laughs> she's now you know this very straight scientist. Yeah. With those gargantuan eyeglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Very sexy, by the way. <laughs> Kathy's like, those are silly glasses. And I'm, I'm like, oh, those are so And, cool and you're like, I don't like those glasses. <laughs> um, and she's holding the pen. It's mm-hmm. like, target, target, target. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah. Because then, much later at the end of the movie, when he's walking, he and his partner are walking into that warehouse, mm-hmm. whatever the heck it was. Yeah, the steel mill. And he's like, boop, doo, doo, picking out all the targets of all the guys that yeah. were around. Like, and then, so and then cool. when that targeting system fails him later on, right. when he's trying to, you know, he's trying to shoot the the jars of baby food. Oh yeah, yeah. And he can't do it. And then she aims for him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very cool. Again, bringing yeah. back the human element. Right. You gotta have. Right. You're yeah. always, no matter how much you automate. Yep. 
You need to have the human touch. There's got to be a little bit of that. Rick Springfield said it best. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> it's an 80s song oh reference for God, you. Oh my God, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> so the other religious imagery in the movie mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting when I read, I never really thought about. Yeah. Robocop is seen walking on water near the end of the film. Right, yeah. Uh, Verhoeven has stated that he sees the character as a futuristic version of Christ. Sure. Additional references include the gunshot blast to Murphy's hand as mm-hmm. Jesus' hands being nailed to the cross. Okay. The bullet to Murphy's head seen as the crown of thorns and Boddicker's blood at the climax of the film turning the water red like wine. The shootout at the cocaine factory wasn't originally intended to be so fast-paced, but what right. happened was the automatic guns that they used in the scene kept mm-hmm. jamming up during filming. A lot of the camera shots didn't provide more than like three seconds of usable footage. Oh, okay. So what all they right. had to do is they had to like edit it in a way mm. in order to get like all the pieces that did where it did work. Okay. And that's why it kind of is really sort of, not choppy, but it, it moves really yeah. fast, that scene. And yeah. I think it's kind of cool because it's a pretty... Mm-hmm. I think that scene is better fast. I think that if yeah. it was kind of drawn out, it would be not yeah. as good. Some other challenges with mm-hmm. the with the RoboCop yeah. outfit, too. Uh, first off, it was very hot and heavy, and Peter Weller sure. was losing weight. He was losing like three pounds a day of water weight. And he's already a fairly yeah. thin yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty small guy. They, they actually put an air conditioner inside the suit. They had big fans on set yeah. that he would stand next to. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, when they first put the outfit on him, it took 11 hours. Yeah. Can you imagine 11 hours? I think it's probably worse for Peter Weller in these movies because, mm-hmm. I mean, in addition to it taking all that time, I mean, yeah. it's heavy. Right. I mean, he's carrying this around and it's And he bulky. can't dance like he wanted to. Right. So, you know, he's, <laughs> exactly. he's clumping around. He was a method actor. Mm-hmm. So he tried to stay in character. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I found just a you know, few photos and clips where... <laughs> the crew would actually like make fun of him because he's trying to like you know just walk to the bathroom as a robot and it's like come on dude you gotta go to the bathroom just go you know yeah it is it is pretty funny when you hear about that and you know and call me robo or whatever you know? yeah, yeah exactly again you're not doing a shakespeare thing here you're, yeah you're robocop you can get into character pretty quickly i would think i would hope because, you know. again, the, the suit does a lot of the work, too. No disrespect to Peter Weller, who's, I think, mm. great in the movie. And oh, is a yeah. great actor. I've seen him in other things, too. Oh, sure. And but, when the mask comes off, which was awesome. Yeah. They the take way, the mask off and he's, he's unscrewing got, it. Yeah, and, and he's got, like, long, half, half cyborg head, half... Uh, yeah, and real, the screws are, like, four inches into yeah, yeah. his skull. Yeah. That's fantastic. In the rest of the movie, his face is showing. Yeah. That's real acting. Yeah. That was good acting. Yeah. They use seven RoboCop suits throughout the movie. Wow. Well, yeah, because you got ones that are shot up. Yeah, out of the seven, one of them uh, has special safeguards and fireproof fiberglass uh, for the oh, stuntmen. Sure. Oh, yeah, because they're like blowing up the uh, the gas station. The cocaine place. And, and the, the gas, gas station, station when it blows yeah, up. Yeah, right, right. Uh, another two were used exclusively during the third act of the movie where RoboCop gets damaged. Sure. Which is interesting. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, the scene like when all the cops are trying to take him out in the parking garage. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like Kathy yeah. and I are watching this and like we're welling up. It's like, why are they? They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. When There's the another are... religious aspect. Yeah. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. It's like, why are all these cops killing? They're trying to kill their own cop. Well, because they think he's malfunctioning yeah. and stuff. Well, it's the corporation. Yeah, it's you bastards. Corporation. The suits were uh, the most expensive thing on set. Producers yeah. say they cost anywhere between 500000 to $1 million. That's ridiculous. I could go on eBay and get one for three grand. <laughs> I did. I looked it up. 
Not from the movies, I don't though. think, no, yeah. they're not the original ones. But if you want to look like RoboCop, I mean, they're pretty darn well made. And I like the, well, they're and funny. then with the suits, like one of the things when he has the, the large spike yeah. that comes out. Yeah, so you mentioned before the little holster that he twirls the gun and puts it into right, his leg. Right. That and the spike yeah. weren't actually part of the suit. Oh, the spike wasn't either. No, they well, were that both. Makes sense, they were was... both shot separately. Yeah, that's why if you watch, you know, yeah. you don't see any the rest of them. That's right. It just kind of like passes in front of his yeah. head. Yep. Okay. That that thing's you gotta look at that, though, that spike. Well, and it's funny because then at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. he uses that spike and he puts it in the whole big digital video recorder, whatever. Interesting that that long spike yeah. can absorb all that data and stuff. Right, right. Okay, whatever. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, like R2-D2. Like like it's his thumb drive. It's USB. Uh-huh. No, that's, you know, yeah, back in yeah. the 80s. Right. And, and by the way, I thought that was really cool yeah. that there was stuff... In this mm-hmm. movie, that became reality later. Like, for example, sure. when Boddicker goes to kill Miguel Ferrer's character, when right. he's got the two uh, hookers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he puts a D- like a DVD in his system. That's right. Yeah. To, to you know, with actual... uh, Dick Jones's message. That's right. It was an actual like Bobby DVD Boy. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably begging for your life right around yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, yes, he is. So the first time he uses the spike thing is to look up the mugshot at the police station. Then he kills Boddicker with it. Yes. Which is That's fucking right. badass. That man. was awesome. Right in his jugular. Yeah. Right in the side of his, his uh, neck. Yes, that was nice. And he's bleeding out and it's <laughs> coming out of his... Oh, so cool. <laughs> and then, But then he goes, like you said, he goes to the boardroom right. to arrest Dick Jones. Yes. He plugs it into the system there and it's still right. got the blood on it. Exactly. I was going to say, <laughs> it's got the blood going into it. It's like, wow. Why would that work with the blood on it, right? It's, maybe it's a conductor. I don't know. I don't know. That's cool, though. <laughs> but it just reminded me of an R2-D2 thing. Yeah. I kept seeing Terminator and Star Wars stuff watching this movie. In fact, did I'm you sure know that's not by accident. The original trailer shown in the theaters. They used the Terminator music, yeah, right? They yeah, they didn't have RoboCop music yet. Yeah. I love that Terminator theme. That's good stuff. Oh, that is good. Producer um, John Davison uh, provided the enforcement droid 209's voice, Ed 209. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We mentioned before that they use pig noises and the growls were from a jaguar. Stephanie Zimbalist yeah. was originally cast as Lewis, but uh, she had a commitment to Remington Steel, so she, she couldn't oh, okay. do the movie. Yeah. I like who they selected. Yeah, she's good, Nancy Allen. Yeah, I, I like that you know, they kept cutting her hair shorter mm-hmm. and shorter to try and make her... Less sexual? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but really, I mean, she was still... She's very cute, mm-hmm. and she's very feminine. She's very petite. Mm-hmm. So anytime she was running away from the camera... But she kicks ass, You knew though. she's a woman. Right. But yeah, she kicks ass. <laughs> she kicks ass. Did you notice that there actually is boobage in this film? Yes. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, well, very fleeting. Well, I, was it the, the hookers or... Uh, Not the hookers. I'd buy that for a dollar? Not that guy. Oh, I know. I know. In the locker room in the beginning. Right. Yeah. And a quick, a gratuitous boob shot in the locker room. Right. And of course, you know, the totally director... Totally unnecessary. Paul, well, no, 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 no. No. Okay. It, it was completely necessary. Okay. Go ahead. Because it's showing how at this point in the future, mm-hmm. there's just gender neutrality. It's just one bathroom, one shower... The men, locker room. Men, women. Yes, yeah. the locker room. Just yeah. men, women, all together. That's it. The female cops are dressing with the male cops. That was it. In the future. And <laughs> I mean, you know, in the theatrical version, it's barely a second or two long. It's probably a little longer in the unrated version. But it was enough for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm very astute. Yes. You know, movie watcher. Especially when I know I'm going to be coming here and speaking about it. I want to. You, you pay know, a titchin? I pay a titchin. <laughs> 
So Peter Weller said that the scariest scene to shoot was when he walked down the stairs in the dance club when he oh, okay. when he arrests uh, one of Boddicker's henchmen. henchmen. Right. Yeah, he was only wearing the upper portion of his costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to make it easier to walk down right. the stairs, but he couldn't look where he was walking, so that oh, was very God. challenging. Oh my gosh! You know, so he, and it's very loud and smoky and stuff. So very eighties, yeah, discotheque. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing right out of Terminator with tech noir. Remember, yeah. uh, we talked about that in the that's Terminator right. podcast. Absolutely. So the movie takes place in Detroit, but mm-hmm. it was actually shot in Dallas. Well, the opening shot looked like Detroit, though. When the logo comes in, yeah, you, yeah, just the, the, that the was very a stock. Beginning. That was stock footage. Oh, okay. They used stock footage for that, but then all the other stuff. It's all Dallas. In fact, the OCP building is the front entrance of Dallas City Hall, and then they use uh, an extensive matte painting to yeah. make it look like a skyscraper. Oh, okay. They wanted to shoot in Detroit, but it just mm-hmm. didn't look futuristic enough or something. Right. And yeah, yeah. And they found areas of Dallas that were seedy enough to double for Detroit, which is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. kind of so, sad. Some of our biggest cities have that. Yeah. Um, you know, we we're talking about the violence. They created a couple commercials. Mm-hmm. Both commercials, I think, are brilliant. I read that the idea of the commercials was to kind of give some levity mm-hmm. to the movie because of all the violence. Yeah. I'm like, these commercials are, there's no levity to these commercials. I, I, I don't know about that. Like the, 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 the one Nukem for the- The Nukem commercial? That's, I think on. that's funny though, because it's, it's tongue in cheek. It's tongue it's in cheek. It's tongue in cheek, but it's nuclear war. I know, but it's and obviously supposed to be like, like Battleship. And they're talking, yes, it's supposed to be. Well, Battleship is like a made up thing. I know. You know? But- this is, they're saying, look- Oh, your your people are taking over Pakistan. No, it's like, oh my God, in 87, he's talking about Pakistan and their nukem and then, oh, right. the, the big <laughs> mushroom cloud in their living room. And they're like, oh, this is great. What the fuck's wrong with you people? You're playing a nuclear warhead game and this is levity? So no. that's not something you would play with your kids? Oh, sure I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a consumer, so, you know, I... But, but that was the thing. Those commercials, yeah. Yeah. really didn't. I mean, yes, on maybe on the face. Oh, I'd it's buy funny. that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. Those yeah. commercials are great. Yes. One other thing I just want to mention. You know, this mm-hmm. movie, thirty years old, but certainly has resonated over the years. Yeah. With movie fans, mm-hmm. in 2011, an internet rumor began to get funding for a RoboCop statue. Yep. To be placed in Detroit. Yes. Peter Weller created mm-hmm. a public service announcement to support the proposal. Right. Eventually, a Kickstarter campaign was created and actually raised the money. Yes. It's being built. Yes, it is. Uh, it's still in production. At one point, Richard Nixon was brought in. <laughs> he was offered $25,000 to do the promotion, and he gave it to the Boys and Girls Club of America. Oh, okay. So kudos for uh For helping Richard out Nixon. a good cause, yeah. Yeah. Um, RoboCop would have wanted it that way. Absolutely. Then I read in the Detroit Free Press, Mm -hmm. not even two weeks ago, according to Detroit's Venus Bronze Works, Mm -hmm. the assembly of the statue is already in progress and the final major molds of the Robocop statue were completed and poured in mid-October of 2016. The project manager, Brandon Wally, says that Imagination Station is in the process of working out the logistics to nail down the desired geographical location for the statue. So this is going to happen. This is truly going to happen. That's awesome. So we have to take a road trip out to Detroit. That's going to be one of our things, right? I've seen the Rocky statue. Yeah. So i got to see the RoboCop statue. got to see RoboCop. And while we're out that way, we might as well go see Field of Dreams and whatever else. We can make a trip.
One more thing I wanted to say. In the same year, 1987, a known criminal who had just committed a robbery ran into a dark cinema to avoid being caught by the police. He became so engrossed in watching the film, <laughs> he didn't notice that the police had actually emptied out the cinema. When they finally stopped the show and turned the lights on, and he was in such shock because he's alone with all these cops around, yeah. he didn't even, you know, he didn't, even, he didn't even fight. He just yeah. let him handcuff That was a cool away. movie. <laughs> That's a great movie right there. There you go. So in a sense, RoboCop arrested the guy. Yeah. How do you like that? Wow. That's cool, right? That is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Yes, I'm done. Eric, as always, a pleasure. Uh, Thank you for uh, for joining me in the geekery. Oh, as, as always, a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for asking me back. Always. And thanks to you for listening, as always. Uh, please remember to check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can let us know if you have a favorite scene from the movie that we didn't talk about or any other comments. You can also email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Please follow me on Twitter at Jason Davis Voice. Remember, check us out on Wednesdays for the latest episodes. We don't do them every week, but uh, we try to do them at least a couple of times a month. For details about all the different ways to stream and download the podcast, including past episodes, go to jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Show theme music by audionautics.com. And thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.